Welcome to the Extra Podcast. This is episode number 219, I think. We'll see. 219. Joining me around the table is Pastor Ezra. Hey. Paul. Hello. Andy. I'm here. Jeffrey. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Jeff is back. I like your haircut, by the way. I've had a few weeks. Yes, I did get a haircut, Ezra. Nice Thank one. you. Thank I you like for it. noticing it. Yeah. yeah you I'm look a, good. I you look young. If you tried to grow your hair out at this point, mm. would it grow? Yeah. Would you have, like, actual hair on top of there? Dreadlocks. All right, so all in favor of having Ezra oh, grow out his hair to the point of dreadlocks this I, year. Aye. 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 Opposed? I'd be happy all with right. just a small, just even a short. I'm thinking about growing my eyebrows yeah. out this year. Uh, fro. Uh, a short fro. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ezra's head. Yeah. That'd be great. Why don't you grow your hair out? By Christmas. Because... When my hair grows thick, the air here is, it doesn't get too warm in Canada during the, the fall into the winter. So I get a lot of dry skin. Uh, it is bad. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay. So the, your, the hair on your head causes the, your skin to go dry. My skin goes dry. Mm-hmm. It is nasty. Okay, that's you know, this, not true. This is not a good... No, it's a lie. We it's should tell people about, this This is actually an issue yes. for black people is dry mm-hmm. skin. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to oil up. Mm-hmm. Yep. You gotta oil up, Andy. Do you oil up? I, I saw no. you. We're, we're right now. We're, Just at the beach. Depends right? upon the context. We're doing yeah. some. We're doing some. We're doing some renovations in the back of the church right now, and uh, there's some sledgehammers out there. Yeah. And I saw you pulling a Zoolander out there. Listen, you whenever oil, I do any construction up, work, I uh, you know do a quick lube. Anytime up. you and I, we went to uh, Thailand together, and I learned that any opportunity for that shirt to come off. Of it's you, coming off. It's coming off. Oh yeah! If I could live my life without a shirt on, I would do. You're it. one of those guys who does. Who walks? Who would walk down the street with his shirt kind of rolled up and tucked into his pants? Can That's exactly what I would do. For me, like, Andy? No, like just guys walking down like sweaty and everything without a shirt on. Yeah, Yuck. this is my point. It, Come it, it is. It yeah, is gross. With the wax Although chest. I learned, I learned something quite fun as a father <laughs> that you can do. Uh, yesterday, I hiked the chief with my boys. And I had a serious belly sweat going on. Yeah. Mm. And I gave my boys a hug, but I did the quick lift up the shirt, rub their face on oh, my yes. sweaty, sweaty belly. <laughs> oh man, that's some good stuff. And right they fell there. off the cheek. Being a, the joys of being a father. Oh boy, this hey. conversation is going south quickly. It okay. is good to have you guys back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Goodness. So last <laughs> Greg week, doesn't, Greg doesn't even know where to go. What, how do you transition from belly sweat? <laughs> um, I'm getting some right now. It's a little warm in here. Are you nervous? So last week we asked if people could send in some questions, and because uh, we didn't get very many over the summer, and so I'm going to be reading a few of them that we got in, and the first one has to do with understanding, unpacking the the doctrine of total depravity. The question is, if the Bible teaches that man is totally depraved, why aren't people who are atheists not more wicked? How is it that we can explain that an atheist will do something good when doing that good isn't actually going to benefit them uh, in any way 
so how how do we understand or how do we explain that someone who's totally depraved can still do good things just as a Christian would do good right. things? Right, so total depravity is not a statement about uh, how, it's not saying that people are as bad as they could be. It's a statement, the word total refers to the extent to which the depravity touches the human person. There's no area of one's life that is reserved from sin or protected from sin. So uh, Ezra over here has a, let's say he has a mind, emotion, and a will. His will is affected by sin. His emotions are affected by sin. His mind is affected by sin. His body is affected by sin. There's not a part of Ezra that remains untouched by sin. We would also say, though, that Ezra is made in the image of God. He bears God's image. And so because Ezra bears God's image, there are uh, moments where Ezra will display that image bearing in lots of things. This is part of God's commons grace. Yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll share. He'll have love for his wife, regardless of whether he's Christian or not. He'll have uh, sometimes he'll play by the rules in the sporting events, just like <laughs> others will. Those, there are effects, though. There are reasons why he might do that. Right. C cultural and societal factors that play into this. But he is a mixture of two things. Right. Made in the image of God and yet a sinner who who has sin touch every part of his being. And so that's what we mean by he's totally depraved. Yes. And, and, and I think um, for, the, for the one who sent the question, please don't confuse the word total and absolute. Yeah. It doesn't mean that human beings are absolutely depraved, absolutely such that there is absolutely nothing good that can come out of them. No. There is something, though, that is really an important point, though, that's being made in the question. Um, it, it is a common practice in churches like ours for us to talk about depravity because the gospel deals with the problem of <clears throat> sin and calls us to repent mm -hmm. we can at times minimize the fact that people are whether they're christian or not are made in the image of god and that they display beauty like the art that is created by people who are christian or, or and not uh, is beautiful i mean there, there are i i i love uh, a good monet painting mm. Uh, the, the 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 colors are are phenomenal. I mean, I've walked to the Louvre in Paris and looked at paintings painted by people who hate God, and they're amazing. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I I love watching uh, sportsmen play their particular sport, even though they're not a Christian. <clears throat> they display beauty and artistry uh, in it. Mm -hmm. Cristiano Ronaldo is not a Christian man, at all. Mm -hmm. Right, but he is an amazing football player, soccer player. I mean, he the, what he can do with a ball is fantastic. And so, we, you know, I, I, what I'm trying to say is that we should rejoice in Cristiano Ronaldo's soccer playing. We should rejoice in Messi's soccer. We should rejoice when we see somebody, you know, Usain Bolt run the 100 meters. We should rejoice when we see good art. We should rejoice in all of the things that we see around us because these are people displaying the image of God uh, in their work. That needs to be heard from churches like ours just as much as, hey, Usain Bolt's also a depraved man, and sin touches every part of his being, and he needs to repent and believe the gospel in order to be saved. Mm -hmm. uh, it might be helpful, too, to mention that this person doesn't need to be an atheist either. I mean, you can believe right. that God exists and be to and totally depraved as well. Well, mm -hmm. everybody is totally depraved. Right. Atheist, God exists, whatever. Exactly. Theist, atheist, doesn't theist, matter. doesn't matter. I, I, I think that sometimes people make that mistake and think, well... If you're totally depraved, wouldn't that mean that everyone's an atheist? Right. 
And no, no, it doesn't. Do, As Romans one reminds us. Don't you think though? I mean, so there's two there's two pieces here. The one of the pieces here is dealing with the question of, <clears throat> or the issue of. Well, yeah, look at all the beauty we see in people, which is something we should talk about a lot of times, which I just did. But I, I'm also in our cultural context right now. It it is very common for people to deny depravity of any sort, right? I mean, my kids watch Disney movies. Like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the basic message of every Disney movie is follow your heart, right? Because mm-hmm. your heart is pure and good, especially right. when you're a child. So you follow your heart because that's what they believe. And yet... Like the, every the, Disney movie. Which one is, doesn't say that? <laughs> they all say that. There's always a moment in the thing is that that's What's, the main Okay, thrust. let's take on Let's take on Frozen. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Yes, that's okay. I, my my you daughter see... has an Anna right. poster on her wall, yeah. and it says Anna, follow your heart. Right. Okay, but what about Who's what about the self sacrifice at the end? Yes. So I'm not denying that Frozen has some elements in it yeah. that um, embrace you know Christian themes or whatever. I mean, but sure. I'm sort of. But I'm yeah. I, what I'm saying though is that the, the, the pervade the pervasive message of the Disney franchise is yes. the same as Walt Disney's, which was that he was a humanist. He believed right. that people were essentially good humanism. at the very beginning. Yeah. And so, my point is that our culture is really ill at ease with the idea that people are depraved and do wicked things with left to themselves. Well, it, and yet, you yeah. do you see that when the Canucks lose the games oh. game seven, and all of a sudden the societal you know the societal restraints. Are, are out the window. Oh, if you want to know right. the depravity of man, just read the YouTube comments of any video, right? Or, <laughs> or, or a, a blog. I mean, right. come but, on. Okay, and so my question is, well, why do, why, is you, why do people do that on YouTube or a blog? And I think it's because... Animated, I think. Right. It's yeah. mediated. You, you stand at a distance from the person you're speaking to. This is why people freak out when they're in cars and do things in their yeah. cars because they're protected by the metal box around them. Absolutely. They would never do that if you bumped into each other at, at, at the store. Mm-hmm. So my point is that there are these societal factors that guard us from our own depravity. Well, that sometimes make us think that we're not as depraved as we actually we actually are. It's just the pressures of society and the peers around us and their expectations and maybe the way we were raised by our parents. All of these mm-hmm. factors play into us not doing those bad things well and and the people that i more and more as i talk to humanists i hear this idea that in fact it's religion that's evil and is Mm. and is the Mm. you know god's the bad guy actually and Mm -hmm. humanity god god as though he exists he doesn't exist of course Mm -hmm. but if he were but yeah yeah he's the bad guy it's it's actually humans that are the the good and and if we could just really live out humanism we could live in a utopian society. Right, it's Disney. Yeah. In mm-hmm. fact, Disney was one of the first creators, Walt Disney, one of the first creators of uh, the suburban communities in the Los Angeles area. And he that's what his vision was, is that if we could separate people from like the ills of society that are found in the city, then we could create a utopia outside. Of course, the problem is that people come with that's the problem. People, well, and they haven't read their history. I mean, no. they haven't. Right. They forgot about Mao, Pol Pot, Stalin. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, the list goes on. But there's right? a fundamental which difference. are all humanists. There's a fundamental difference in the world today between what the Christians Christians are saying, and the Christian worldview is saying, and what the secular worldview is saying. The secular worldview is saying that the solution to your problem is actually uh, getting rid of all that you've been taught. Uh, neglecting, you know, your parents, whatever, to get away from all that and follow your heart. 
do what comes. Just listen to your heart. Because it's going to lead you to a good right. place. Right. It will always lead you to a good place. Whereas, and so if your heart tells you that you like if we forget heart, about pri- inmates, though. Well, by no, the way. but if your they heart tells you, if heart. your heart tells you that to 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 uh, I don't know to to go you know be this kind of sexual person, regardless of what it is, then that's the good thing, no matter. But the Christian gospel is completely opposite. It's saying actually that yeah. that freedom comes through re- repression of your sinful instincts. Yeah. Don't follow your heart. Right. Don't follow your heart because <laughs> your heart is deceitfully, you know, deceitfully wicked. Mm-hmm. And so there, there are the, it's stark, right? And so for people yeah. who are listening, you need, to, you need to understand that when you're watching even Disney or other films, that, that they're starting from that premise. Yeah. And that one of the challenges the Christian church has had, quite honestly, with a lot of the homosexual uh, debate and issue is that uh, people have come along and said, yeah, but what if I was born that way? And the Christian church is like, oh, no, what do we do with that? And the answer is, well, we rely upon Christian theology that's always existed, that we believe people are born in the image of God, but also totally depraved. Totally depraved. And they right. need to be freed from the inclinations, the sinful inclinations <clears throat> of their heart. Maybe yeah. we should define what we mean by totally depraved. Well, it's like we're, we are, we're reflecting God's image to the world, right? But we're like a broken mirror reflecting yeah. that image yeah. so you can see it partially but every part of it is broken and the only one who has ever not been broken is christ and the only one who's ever remained unbroken is christ yeah. so absolutely and mm-hmm. and by so by this idea of being totally depraved ultimately what we're talking about is rebellion yes mm-hmm. so that that we are rebels but in every area of our every of our area lives. of our beings but not mm-hmm. but again not complete rebels necessarily not absolute yeah. We're not as bad off as we could be. Could be. Mm-hmm. I, I will say that this, I mean, there are those who have actually argued that hell is God handing you over to C.S. Lewis be completely. That. So so what, what does God's judgment look like in hell? Well, it looks like God handing you over completely to those proclivities, to those sinful inclinations and not protecting you Mm-mm. through the yeah. power of the, the spirit, through the power of government. Through the power of, of you know, maybe a Christian influence on society, stuff like that. If he removes all of those restraints. Common grace gone. Yeah. What does it look like mm-hmm. then? It gives you over to your Right. It's rebellion. handing you over to your own lusts. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the rebellion, of course, is against God and mm-hmm. against his way. Right. All right. We have another question. Uh, actually, two, uh, mostly one, about baptism and the question is about the how much is baptism about uh, the, an individual's personal testimony of their transformation and how much of it is about the fact that this is being done in public, so that it's a public declaration of it. The, the question basically comes down to if, there's, it, if there is this kind of public witness element to a baptism, why are they done predominantly in Christian contexts rather than in the public sphere somewhere that would be visible to um, people that wouldn't be a part of the Christian community. Is there a public witness aspect to baptism in the Bible? That was my question. Like, Mm. I think it's an assumption that baptism in the scriptures had to be a public event. So so the Ethiopian eunuch goes down to the water. We don't know how many people were there. I would would assume... 
it's a desert road, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's probably, I mean, it's traveled, but not frequently. Yes. Even if you go back. John's baptism was very. I was just going to say, if you even go to John's baptism. But then, even then, so yeah, John the Baptist had a baptism of repentance that was very public. Mm -hmm. But yet the Jews had their own, you know. I just don't know if pools for baptizing, but they were very, they were not public at all. What about the Mm -hmm. fact that they would have been happening in rivers and rivers would have had more of a public but i'm saying they weren't all done in rivers when we look at archaeologically there were pools that were used in people's homes but 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 again these tubs that were used i'm going to argue to say okay Okay. so think of paul on the road to damascus Mm -hmm. and then ananias was supposed to be the one to baptize him there was a gathering of Christians in Damascus. So, so let me but Ananias doesn't take Paul there. I don't think he does. Okay, but even if you could show me all the several places in the Bible where a baptism happened among people, mm-hmm. you're still going to have to demonstrate for me that <clears throat> that's being instructive to me. Exactly. Do you understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I you're going to have to show me that the Bible is teaching in those places that what ought to happen. Mm-hmm. As opposed to what did happen, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm really hard pressed to th- to think that the Bible is teaching in those places that oh look baptism ought to be public. I, I I'm not saying it shouldn't be. Yeah, we are not saying. Just so you know, part of the reason yeah. that we baptize people in Northview publicly in the church, and I would encourage them to, is because you are being baptized into the body of Christ, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So there is a reason that we think it's helpful for you to be baptized as part of the church community. Mm-hmm. But we wouldn't. It's not like we wouldn't accept your baptism no. if it wasn't done publicly. Absolutely not. Like mm-hmm. you got baptized on the beach somewhere, and it's mm-hmm. just a few people there, or even in a pool somewhere, as your family or whatever. It's it's not. Mm-hmm. That's not the, the Bible. I don't think has anything particular to say about that. There's some really helpful symbolic parts about being baptized in a local church because you're being baptized into the body, which and would make it more also, preferred. Yes, and there's also an edification piece. Yeah. yeah. And part of the reason that we want you to get baptized in front of others is so that. Is, is for their edification, for mm-hmm. their building up. Like, and it's a physical, um, it's a visual representation of the gospel. Right. So, yeah. for for example, I've had um, young adults or teenagers in the past, like maybe I'm on a missions trip and they're like, well, well baptize me here, right? Well, and I, I say, no, I, I don't want to baptize you here. I want to wait until we get back to the church because I want to allow your parents to see that. I want to allow your friends family because it's not just about you right mm-hmm. that that there is the opportunity that they want to that they want to encourage you and be a part of your baptism as right. well it's not not a sin though to get baptized but exactly your... but it wouldn't be wrong no. if we did we're baptism. just trying to we're mm-hmm. just trying to say that you have this opportunity this moment where you can utilize your baptism for uh, the growth of other Christians and to symbolize the baptism into the community and mm-hmm. stuff and and that that is a from our point of view a more symbolic Mm-hmm. In a better way yeah. Yeah. than going and doing it all alone, and remem- remi- remembering that they might want to be a part of it. Right, mm-hmm. I said I was baptized all alone in a hot tub in at the Baylor Fitness Center in Dallas by my wife, and so I'm speaking as somebody who did a, a very private baptism. I was baptized as a baby, and so I'm a true Anabaptist in that way. Uh, so, yeah. um, but I look back on it now and think, yeah, it, it wasn't off. Have, if I had a chance to do it again, I would have done it within the local community of a, of a church. I think I've shared that before here on the podcast. And mm. so, and there were opportunities then to edify other people that I, that didn't happen because, because I, I did it so privately. Some people <clears throat> freak out though, right? Hmm? Some people freak out. Oh, there are people, very... people who are not um, open to standing in front of a big crowd and having 
the event happen in the, the presence of a massive crowd. And it's not as, I mean, it's no fault of theirs. That's just their personality. That's not who they are. But well, you should about think about what, what you can, that you can help yeah. some people, though. Mm -hmm. And the testimony that you actually give mm -hmm. can be really, really profound and so exactly. so instead of thinking about oh well, i don't want to do it because i don't want everyone looking at me stuff you, try to turn it on its head and think if they're if you're frightened like that try to turn it on its head and say well actually think about what i someone like me standing up and doing this says to the community of faith and what kind of edification that can have on people mm -hmm. so one, one of the things i love about northview is that we allow anyone to baptize or any christian mm -hmm. to baptize another uh christian um but there's a lot of churches it's only only the pastor baptizes Mm -hmm. Ezra would like it to be that way. <laughs> I think I'm not lying. You would. <laughs> would you, Ezra? Oh, boy. <laughs> Jeff loves quoting me all the time. <clears throat> you do. Apparently. That's what you want. Come on, Jeffrey. You don't want it that way. Since when? Since always. Oh, come on, you Jeffrey. You think it's an, an ecclesial <laughs> thing. Any, anything, anything that Jeff doesn't like, Ezra believes that. <laughs> <laughs> Ezra believes that. And let me show you how Ezra is wrong. <laughs> You just wait. It'll come. It'll come up again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right. gonna put the gloves no, but away. Here's the thing, though: is there's nothing in Scripture that would be instructive for us to tell us that only certain people can baptize others. No. Yeah. And that there. I mean, I'm happy to. Mm -hmm. we, we can talk about that. I mean, we see. It's totally fine. I mean, it's through Acts we see, essentially, apostles doing it. You do. Right. So you see. So but is that descriptive? Is it? A, is it an instructive right? piece? Right. Is mm -hmm. is Luke writing that? to try to say to you, oh, by the way, only apostles do this. Right. They, they're the only ones who are called right. to baptize. Well, in fact, we, what we see is the, the opposite, where people will specifically not baptize, such as Jesus mm -hmm. didn't baptize. And the Apostle Paul at times says he's not baptizing because, you know, it doesn't want, like, there's a super apostle thing, right? Like, mm -hmm. ooh, my baptism better if Jeff does it, mm -hmm. right? That there's this idea that no... Um, Anybody should be able to baptize, not this, certain, you know, super pastors or whatnot. Mm -hmm. There is this idea of priesthood of all believers, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where I think uh, we minister to one another and, and we care for one another. So the idea that, say, for instance, if I was really sick and I was in the hospital and um, Jeff doesn't visit me, <clears> but let's say Joe the usher came and visited and he sat beside the bed and he held my hand and he prayed for me and my family and all that. Mm -hmm. But I then get up upset and say, hey, you know, the church didn't visit, visit me. Why? Because Jeff didn't come. Mm -hmm. I think that's wrong. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think mm -hmm. if Joe the usher visited and prayed for you and held your hand and well, spoke the, the, the gospel. The church came. The church came mm -hmm. because Joe was there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway. it's a, I think it's huge. Mm -hmm. So... Andy, I know this is the area of baptisms, an area that you have some passion about because you know a lot of people who would say they're Christians and yet they've never been baptized. So there yeah. are probably people listening right now who are in that boat where they would say, I've been a Christian for a long time, but I'm, I keep waiting to get baptized. I keep waiting. What's your word to them? Well, I hear a lot of people say and think, I got to get to a certain place as a Christian as though there's degrees of Mm -hmm. being a Christian, <laughs> you know, and once I get to that level, that's when I take the plunge. Mm -hmm. The question is, do you, do you, do you want to be a Christian? Yeah. Like, do, so do you want to follow Jesus? It, it's if your answer to that question is yes, I want to follow Jesus. It's kind of like, there's not degrees of Canadian. No. So right. <laughs> do you want to follow Jesus? And if the answer to that is, well, yeah, 
uh, you should be baptized. Yeah, then let's baptize. Yeah. Yes. So then what's the purpose of the baptism class then? Because that would make it seem like you have to reach a certain point. To clarify whether you want to follow Jesus. That's what the baptism class is about. It's actually an opportunity for us to have a conversation with you about your commitment to Christ. It's actually, it's a cool, it's a class that basically asks the question, okay, you're going to count the cost here, right? Because we take it seriously. We want want you to know what you're getting into. Uh, I think that's in line with what Jesus had to say. So here are people who are really interested in following, and this is our opportunity to... Not necessarily warm, but Jesus did this on several occasions with a bunch of people who are really interested in following. It's like, all mm-hmm. right, there's four different kinds of soil, mm-hmm. and right. the fourth one is the only good one. So yeah. if you're gonna follow me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Right. So <laughs> so yeah. Or look, like a king who goes out to battle and he thinks ahead of time. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, can I win win this thing? Am I gonna be in it? Mm-hmm. For the, those who aren't willing to give up all they have. Mm-hmm. can't be my disciple. So this it's just an opportunity for us to to have that conversation with people. Like, do you understand what the gospel is? Do you do you know who Jesus is? There are some content to mm-hmm. what he claims to be and who he mm-hmm. claims to be. Do you believe those things? Cuz we're going to ask you when you're standing there ready to go under the waters. Mm-hmm. We're going to ask you, do you, do you believe certain things about Jesus? Do you believe in mm-hmm. Lord Jesus? Right, he's, you know, he's one, one and only God, and yeah. As your Lord and Savior. Right. So we're going to ask you some questions. We want you to know what those questions mean before you get there mm-hmm. so that you can affirm them. What's mm-hmm. funny about it is that a lot of people, it's not a theology class. It's not, we're not, the baptism class is not a theology class. Like, we understand the intent, even if the words aren't there. Mm-hmm. So you might have a passion to say something, not be able to put all the theological words together, mm-hmm. but it's an opportunity for us to hear your heart and your yeah and there so, have been lots of cases so does, where we haven't so we've said no right. so does mode matter mode of baptism well can Spr- can i say sprinkle one sprinkle away baby <laughs> let, let me say one thing real quick here first God. if we go before we go there uh i i think it's important let me that get people... my spray bottle hold on <laughs> <laughs> jeff is currently baptizing uh with pepsi <laughs> you have not been baptized <laughs> <laughs> By the, that's one of the best quotes from yeah, nacho libre i believe in science okay so i think it's important though for people to, like there's irony here when people don't get baptized because like they're waiting and they don't realize what baptism means baptism is a representation of something that's already happened in your life. Mm-hmm. The, the, from death to life, as mm-hmm. he wants to get in in here. There's something that I think Jeff should share. Uh, you and I had a conversation. My Pepsi? No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's a diet. We Nobody should, wants we that. Should, yeah, no one wants that. Except for Jeff. Look, I think there's something worth mentioning here that I think, Jeff, you, you and I have had extensive conversations about this, where people in church, so you have this altar call, Mm. And so you preach a sermon, it's really good, mm-hmm. altar call, people lift up their hands and then they come forward and receive prayer. And so baptism has been taught in the, like, this is the sign of your conversion, right? So now when you... What, what is like the altar call, the prayer? The, the prayers. Mm-hmm. So in, in, in church history, we know baptism is the, is the uh, symbol that yeah. Christ gave us to yeah. show. So how do, you know, how do you know that you're a call, Christian? You're baptized. Throughout the history of the church, you're baptized. somebody would point back to, well, yes. I was baptized. Yes. And that they're not saying that because they believed that they were regenerated at their baptism. They're saying, well, that that's that was the moment that I was baptized into the community of Christ. That mm-hmm. was the, that, that, that was the mm-hmm. that's the moment. Yes. Of course, they were not 
as individualistic as we are, mm-hmm. in our individualistic setting, when you ask somebody now, how do you know you're a Christian? They'll say, well, I prayed a prayer. I came forward. At a particular date, or I came mm-hmm. forward. What's, what's troubling about that is that it's not actually the Bible's definition for how you would know that someone is in that the you're a Christian, and mm-hmm. it causes some trouble for people who like, oh my gosh, I don't remember when I prayed that prayer. So am I Christian? Am I not? Mm. Whereas baptism is an actual event, mm-hmm. uh, and so part of the reason that baptism is really weird for people, I think, in our setting now, is that they're they're not sure what to do with it because we've said, well, you're a Christian if you pray this prayer or you come forward to the mm. altar call. Uh, or you've, or you've oh, accepted way, Jesus into your yeah, heart. Oh, and by the way, you means. should go and do this baptism thing. So you, what you hear from people a lot of times is, well, I'm doing this because of obedience. Like, I don't really understand what in the world this is about at all. It's a little bit goofy. So I'm just doing it because Jesus said that I should do it. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, you're doing it because this is what the scriptures teach about, that that is, that is the sign mm-hmm. that you are part of the covenant community. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what it is. Exactly. So... so if you say to me, I'm a Christian, kingdom. but not baptized, I'm going to say, ooh, really? Yeah. Really? See, see, now that's why I think... By the way, I'm not doubting that you can be a Christian and not baptized. I do think that that's possible, mm-hmm. right? Obviously. Yeah. But, but so, I, I think you should be baptized. Yeah, so I, I think going to Andy's point or going to Andy's uh, question, I guess, was, you know, why, why do people get all these things mixed up? And I think they get it mixed up because they went forward on an altar call and received Christ, prayed the prayer, and so baptism becomes this thing. Okay, what is it now? Because I already made my public uh, proclamation. Yep. I went forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not to indict an altar call necessarily. Or no. To indict praying a prayer no. to Jesus. No. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is to elevate baptism back to where we think the scriptures have elevated it. Yeah. Here's life my of a believer is to say yeah. that this is actually the starting line. Yeah. So then the question then is, okay, so why is it that, why is it that, we seem we and don't mean Northview, but churches seem to make baptism uh, like almost a hurdle. Where okay, I'm a Christian. I came to church. I heard a message. I spoke to someone. I believe. Why don't we just say, "Hey, Joe believes. Let's get him into the tank." Because we're freaked out that you don't actually understand. And there is a long history of yeah. people who have supposedly Saint been baptized. John Saint John Chrysostom, like mm-hmm. second third century, he wrote a book of all his lessons that he gave to people before they got baptized. Mm. There used to be a period, it's a compilation actually. of all those. I can't, is the Donatist controversy? Oh, I might be totally wrong about that. In church mm. history, I always get that mixed up. But it was the, when, when there was, uh, I want to say the emperor, can, the emperor was Diocletian or, uh, anyway, mm. mm-hmm. I get mixed up here. But anyway, one of the emperors, there was a period in the Roman, in the Roman world where the Christian, Christians became so popular that, that the Roman, the Romans said, okay, no more persecution because there's too many of you. Yeah. And it's cool. You can be a Christian. So they're like, all right. But then the but next But it became emperor, more of a nation. Well, then the next emperor came along yeah. and he said, what do you mean? Uh, that's not true. And he started to, to persecute Christians. Mm-hmm. But in that intervening peaceful time, there were a lot of people who came to faith in Christ because it was really popular or said that they came to faith in Christ because it was a really popular thing. And then when this new persecution came on with the, mm-hmm. with the new emperor... Like a lot of those people who came on recently were like, I'm out. Right. So they ditch and then that emperor dies and the new emperor's like, no, no, Christians are cool. And then all these people who ditched are coming back. back to the door of the church. Not, you know, hey, hey I'm, I'm wondering, can I come back in? And now you're a brother. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you're your brother, like 
physical mm. brother died remaining faithful to Jesus mm -hmm. and you were beaten for your faith in Jesus and you stayed in the church and all of a sudden and these Greg people all, Greg who took off is knocking at the door of the church <laughs> yep. and you're like um no you can't come back in it's a big issue I think it was the Donatist controversy mm -hmm. anyway I, I, I'm this is a big issue in the early church and so part of the result of that was look we need to do a little bit of work ahead of time from so if somebody comes along and they want to get baptized before they do that we're going to make sure that they know what, what it is so they, they would have baptismal candidates sometimes like three years or so where mm -hmm. you'd have to be around the church for a while kind of like prove your stripes a little bit well and you know there's more than that too like yeah. how many times have we had people come in for baptism and find out that they're actually not even a christian and they totally misunderstood what right. the gospel is and it gives us a great opportunity to explain them to clearly what right. yeah, so to our, our baptism class is our our baptism candidate you know sort of Mm -hmm. hesitation so we as a church we don't we we follow some of that lead because we're a little bit afraid that we're going to baptize people who either don't understand the gospel or who uh aren't really committed to jesus and of course there are people who are going to fall away even if they are baptized. i can't guarantee mm -hmm. that if mm -hmm. i just by baptizing you but but mm -hmm. we want to know ahead of time that you do understand the nature you know. of this thing you yeah. know what you're signing up for yeah so we have baptism classes we also have membership classes Mm. How is that different in its um, quality or in its focus or in its, um, well, like, what's the point of some, the membership class? So MB churches historically have joined those two because mm -hmm. of the very reason that you're asking the question. You're like, wait a minute. So I'm when I'm baptized, I'm baptized into the church. But then you're telling me I have to go through another step to become a member of the church? So for us, anyway, we treat membership as a special thing regarding this local community of believers here at Northview. We would say that you are baptized into the church universal, oh, universal. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, at your baptism. Which is, by the way, what Catholic means. Right. Yeah. Little C Catholic. Yeah. Little mm -hmm. C Catholic. But then we say, well, if you want to be a member of this church, meaning you get to vote on stuff and whatever, we're going to take you through some specific classes that have to do with Northview. They have to do with are. So you can be a baptized Christian and not be a member of Northview and be great with God, right? Mm -hmm. We just want to know that the people who are part of our our church, our group, are first definable. So we know who we know who they are, and we know that they've committed to this local body of believers and as a leadership in the church. We want to know who we're responsible for in terms of like, okay, so you said to us that you're committed to following Jesus, and you've asked us now to join you in accountability for that end. And we want to hear from you too. And that same sort of accountability that one of our pastors, when, you know, Andy starts being a goofball, you get to vote and kick him out. It happens. Do you know what I mean? So there's this mm -hmm. accountability relationship and it's hard to do if you just say, well, everybody who's baptized gets to have that vote, even whether or not they're mm -hmm. committed. So, it's, to so my point is it's a pra it's just a pragmatic step. There's nothing in the Bible that teaches you mm -hmm. have to have a membership class. Mm -hmm. It's just a pragmatic step that we as a church have taken. Mm -hmm. And yet we would encourage people who are baptized at Northview, even if they're not uh, a member, that they are involved in this local body. Because yeah. just because you're being baptized into the universal church doesn't mean that won't have a local it should have outworking. A local, it should have a local outworking. That's why we, we try in our baptism class to say, right, you're getting baptized, now become a member. <laughs> uh, and we would say that to everybody. It's really important, we think, that for you to become a member, not just because we want to hear from you 
and have you vote on some stuff and be involved in the church and even, you know, like whether or not we build a building or we whether or not we hire this pastor or whatever. But also for your own mm. sake, because it is a real possibility that you're going to fall away. It's part of the the warning and danger in the scriptures, mm-hmm. right? And one of the ways that God, one of the chief ways that God keeps you in the faith is through your brothers and sisters who mm-hmm. you've pinned your hearts to. Mm-hmm. And membership's a way for you to say that. Look, it's yeah. basically for you to say, look, hey, church, I want you to help me mm-hmm. follow Jesus. So when I start doing stupid stuff, you know, and acting in ways that aren't Christian, I want, I want you to come and tell me um, that you shouldn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I want my brothers and sisters to step in and say, you know, that's, that's really a, you're walking yeah. down a path here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, just as a, sorry, Greg, you're about to sh- no, do you, something. No, I, think, do you guys think that this is the way that I understand church discipline mm-hmm. is actually as a necessary benefit for the believer? And yet the way that most people view yep. church discipline is as this horrible punishment. punishment <clears throat> yeah. deal. People don't Heavy-handed. understand that discipline is, is supposed to be restorative. It, it's not. Right. Well, know, they don't, and the churches sometimes don't. In, in all honesty, churches oftentimes treat discipline like it's a little, little bit of payback, right? Yeah, you right. Know, you wasting my time. It's, it's punishment. Son. You know how many hours <laughs> I've had to spend dealing with your rubbish? And now, yeah. so it becomes sort of that thing. But at the same time, some people treat it like, man, I don't want, I don't want to have anybody come in and tell me that I'm, I'm that, 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 you know, cheating on my spouse is, is bad or this area of my life could end up bleeding over into other things. And I'm making unwise decisions here like that. Just leave me alone. Let me do my own thing with full acknowledgement that there are lots of legalists in the church who end up making big deals about stuff they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why you wouldn't want to have your brothers and sisters looking over your shoulder and saying, actually, that's not a good thing. Like, right. you should steer away, stay away from that part of the woods. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you yeah, might think, get eaten in there. I think yeah. uh, there is a lot of, there's been a lot of bad discipline through the years in the church where people who, congregants who have come in good faith want to submit to leadership, but then leadership has had a power trip. Mm-hmm. over their people and actually wrecked people yeah. rather than build sure. them up. And so there's a, there's, there's a lot of feelings then a lot of people who are hurt. Um, some who come here and some from the past who this is, this is their story. So I think there's a lot of people hesi- hesitant toward that. But then at the same time, there's this idea of freedom. And I think, I think I'm going to go out on a limb here and maybe chastised by emailers who would email. E-O-K-O-T-E at Northview.org. That's right. (laughs) I think there's also the idea of democracy where our culture encourages people to really challenge, oppose, and even deny what your leader says. So... Mm. So when it comes to submitting to leadership, that's not something that our culture espouses quite well. And therefore... And the belief that it is actually God's will yes. for you to submit yes. to the leaders of his yes. church in several, in several, particularly in areas that re- pertain to sin. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, so, like you said, dude, the challenge here is that so many churches have not understood that this is in areas that pertain to sin. 
Yes. So some churches have come along and been like, man, I saw you at the dance club, so we're going to put you over in a little bit of discipline here. Yeah. Or you wore Why the wrong you shirt. The yeah. Or yeah. you, you know, like we, we have added to the, the list of things that are actually grounds mm-hmm. for discipline. That, mm-hmm. That's why I bring up this idea of reconciliation, of restoration. It's mm-hmm. about bringing people back into right relationship with God, right relationship in the church. And th- this is the purpose that we so let me, imply church discipline. So let me ask you a question, Andy. Yeah. Uh, can you be in right relationship with God and not in right relationship with God's church? Right. I would say no. Yeah, I would say no, too. There's mm-hmm. no way. There's no way. No this way. is part of the this is part of the piece here, though. Like part of that that I I think is a real challenge for a lot of folks is that to love God is to love your brothers and sisters. That's right. So and Jesus if, even says if that if you are if you are at odds with Christ's church, you're at odds with Jesus. Oh, that mm-hmm. is Wait, that, my so... sermon this weekend, by the way, is going to be about this. Yeah. Whether there there wherever there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. We take that to mean refer to prayer and it, it means no such thing it's actually in the context of church discipline so come this weekend to church and you will hear well this weekend to mission mission yeah Campus. and then the following weekend at Abbotsford you'll get the same thing yes you'll get a retread old just worn out <laughs> sermon it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be all polished buddy it's gonna be a beaut well gentlemen thank you for uh, your time and your insights as we wrap up uh, summer is is fast ending. Don't say that. Some of you guys had some some interesting summer experiences. Favorite summer meal this summer that you mm. had? What would you say it was? Rokuk and watermelon. Are you serious? I can't stand Rokuk. No, sorry. What? Sorry, I, I just said can't no, take it's it. It's like a really bad. Get donut. out of here. I no, said oh my true goodness. story. <laughs> no, you are like never invited stale, to my mom's house. It's like an old Plain nasty donut. Yeah, yeah. that died. Everybody. Like it fell on the floor, kind plus, of. Plus, I also said a meal. Oh, not like no. Well, Rokuk is a meal, buddy. Yeah, yeah. For the Siemens, it's a meal. You bet. Dude, there's enough calories in that bad boy to be qualified as a meal. Amen. <laughs> when I lived in Texas, I we we started to go. There was a there was a Papa John's pizza down the street from my house. Papa and John's. I started to love Papa John's pizza, and they only they moved back. They moved to Canada along a few years ago. We realized that there was one in Chilliwack, and for the last like the last couple times I've had pizza, I've driven to Chilliwack to get. Are you talking Papa about the John, Take and Bake? Papa John's pizza. No, and that's Papa listen, Murphy's. Am, no, that's am, Papa Murphy's. I am telling you, yeah. it's ridiculous how much I love it. <laughs> I have some leftovers, and I'm going upstairs in a few minutes to eat them. Mm. Is that awful for me to say that the best meal really? I've had is a Papa this, John's, is a Papa, no, is a Papa can, John's meat pizza? You can like whatever mm. you want, man. <laughs> Andy, what's your favorite summer meal? You know what? I I learned, shout out for Rempels that they mm. cut their they can cut mm. their uh, sausage into these hamburger patty things. What? Oh yeah, and they're big. And they're meaty and they're just delicious. You can get them cut to like different thickness. So yeah, I'll, pay t- I'll take one of those bad boys barbecued any day in the summer. Rempel's Farmer sausage and real cooking. Wow, Ezra. I discovered. I had ugali. I had ugali. There's nothing like ugali. Yeah, what? you're right. There, there is, is nothing, nothing like, like ugali. Tasteless <laughs> ball. I don't even know what that like, is. No, you have no idea. It's like you don't. Know. If you take some flour and some water. And just like rub it together into a big ball and then shove it in your mouth. 
That's who Gollum is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. Dude. I think oh, Jeff, like, might, Jeff like, might be like the pickiest eater on four staff. Oh, he Absolutely. is. I went to Thailand with him. It was ridiculous. He didn't <laughs> eat anything yeah, for two weeks. I didn't eat the scorpions No stuff. bugs. <laughs> four minutes after you eat He's Gollum, a weenie when it sleep. comes to food. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's all listen to Ezra's uh, favorite meal. Actually... It isn't a favorite meal as such. It's pretty much, I found this barbecue sauce in the States. I'll get you the name next week. Like, I put that stuff or anything that I barbecue. Anything. It's called craft. It's not craft. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. This is true. Craft grill time. Southern barbecue. Like, wow. It's It's craft southern barbecue. It's not craft. I will tell you, it is not craft. So, if I do burgers, great. Hot dogs, oh, it is phenomenal. So, I'm yet to try mm. it on pulled pork. Ah, yes. So, mm. that That's was... Yes. What about on Ugali? Uh, no, you can't do Ugali. No, you yeah. can't put anything on Ugali no. to make Ugali it Ugali is just... <laughs> wow. Ugali, yes. Oh. You don't know what you're missing, Jeff. Oh, you said raw cooking on rice. Ask Paul. Um, they well, always, yeah, what, baby. What, what was yours? Oh wait, Greg, <laughs> Greg can't eat anything. Greg yeah, he had right. a bowl of rice checks. <laughs> <laughs> I had rice checks and some water. We had gluten free milk. And uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> no, are you kidding? Believe it or not, it makes it even better. That would be the yeah. worst. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. W- Thank you so much for listening to the you extra didn't say podcast. What you ate, man. I, rice we, checks. We had we had uh, friends over, and I made some. Uh, steak and ribs and we had some sides that were also tasty I made homemade loaded baked potato um, potato salad so it tastes like mm. your loaded baked potatoes but it's a pota- like cold baked. potato salad that'd be good. Quite good yeah those are delicious so that was, that was good times uh, glad to hear you can eat potatoes Greg send, <laughs> send us in your questions for next episode and your best summer meal and uh, we will read some of those on our next episode, which I believe Darcy will be hosting. So have well, a good time. Here's, oh. here's hoping. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll hopefully see you at church at either Mission or Abbotsford Campus on the weekend. See you later. Oh.